foreign land. The gospel lesson this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 10. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of God may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I've said it before, sometimes it's hard to say thanks be to God to a scripture. Let me ask you, have you ever been homesick? Yep. yep. <laughs> I can kind of remember, I'll ask you to tell me about it in a minute, but I can kind of remember the first time I was homesick. I, I think I was uh, in fourth grade and I went to sleepaway camp for the, the first time. And it was a church camp. Uh, is one of our our United Methodist camps, and I was there for a week. I'd been to my grandmother's before, but somehow that didn't count, because uh, I knew her pretty well. And I was a week without anybody I knew, and I wanted to go home. <laughs> and by the second night, I was pretty sure that somebody was going to have to come and pick me up. You ever been there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when were you homesick? Anybody been homesick? When did you get homesick? Every day. <laughs> All right, okay. Anybody else ever been homesick? When you been homesick? College. I remember that, too. That's intense. That's hard to write out. For real. Yeah, yeah. I often say about vacation, it's great to go and it's great to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Anybody else been homesick? Been homesick, Jeremy? Yeah, that's hard, for sure. It is not fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. We heard in the psalm, we're going to hear in a minute in the, in the, the sermon, we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about the movie, Wizard of Oz. 
we know a little bit about being homesick. And God tells us that we find our rest, our only one true home, in God. We're restless until we find our rest in Jesus. We might have a whole bunch of homes, you and I. I've moved a whole bunch of times. Maybe you have too. Maybe you've always lived in the same place. Some of us have moved a bunch of times. But we're restless until we find our ultimate home in Jesus. Let's pray and ask God to help us to find our rest in Jesus. Dear God, we thank you that we find our home in you. Help us to make space for others. Amen. Good morning. This morning the uh, praise song is He Has Made Me Glad. They're easy words, so sing out. Help me out up here. <laughs> This month, we've been in a series of messages called At the Movies. Last month, nope, try again, last week. <laughs> Apparently, it was a long week for me. Not really. We began with Encanto as we looked at grace under pressure. We can't earn this thing, grace. It's a free gift that was given to us. Thank God. And the pressure is often mounting. Today, we turn to a movie that was released from MGM 
83 years ago. 83 years ago, won two Academy Awards, and you'll remember, stars Judy Garland, Jack Haley, and Margaret Hamilton. The Wizard of Oz. Based on the book by L. Frank Baum, the teenager, Dorothy Hale, lives in Kansas with aunt and uncle on the farm. You remember she has the sweet little dog, Toto? And he has an ankle-biting problem. That's kind of how the film starts, if you recollect the beginning. And Toto bites the ankle of this rich old lady, and Dorothy has to try to run away to protect both of them. Not noticing in the background is the tornado. So she's not able to get to the safety of the storm shelter. So she tries to get into the farmhouse. Do you remember? Gets knocked out by the window, and the tornado lifts the entire house, depositing it in a foreign land. When she awakens, this is when her journey to get home begins. The journey that includes munchkins and the good witch Glinda and the wicked witch of the West and the wizard of Oz himself. And of course, there's got to be some travel companions along the way. The lion, the scarecrow, the tin man. And each of them searching for something along the way. Remember this? Right? The lion for courage, the tin man for the heart, and the scarecrow for the brain. Dorothy wants her way home, traveling down the yellow brick road, questing against the wicked witch, seeking the wizard of Oz. Each of these heroes seeks their best quality. This is where the bulk of the movie is, right? And you might remember it with some fondness or some nostalgia somewhere over the, I was hoping you were going to help me, the lollipop guild, we're off to see the, okay, just making sure you're awake, ding dong, the witch is dead, if I only had a brain, Whew. good thing there. And throughout 101 minutes, how long it is, Dorothy is so committed to getting home that she recites those magic words. Remember, they're the, the click the heels together magic words. There is no place like home. She recites them 13 times. She wants you to know that's where she's trying to get to. Let's take a look. Are you ready now? Yes. Say goodbye, Toto. Yes, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes and tap your heels together three times. And think to yourself, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's, there's no, no place like home. 
so easy for you and me, right? When, when we had those experiences of homesickness, if only it was so easy for us to just click our heels and say those magic words. Dorothy's driven by a desire to return home, certainly. We understand that, even though for some of us, home is not or has not always been a safe or a healthy place. Some of us may have been surrounded by brokenness or pain. In fact, the familiar reading from Psalm 137 comes from a painful history. Let me remind us of some of the backstory. The people of Israel have been conquered by the Babylonians. It was common in those days to take prisoners and the spoils of the land. And Psalm 137, written about the 6th century before the birth of Christ, the elite and the artists and the teachers and the business leaders, the educated, the scribes, the people of prominence, carried off to Babylon. And all of us ordinary folks left home to subsist on the land just like they've always done. The, the peasant class mixed with the tribes and the other lands, the gods who had wandered into the Israelite lands. We'll meet them later when we talk about the Samaritans. That's how that happened, but I get ahead of myself a little bit. In Babylon, the poets and the scientists, the innovators and the dreamers were put on stage, and they were asked to perform. Did you hear that? For the king and for the court. And the psalms, the ones that they knew, the songs they knew so well, became fodder for jest. The food was not their food, and the values were not their values, and the language was not their language. The God was not their God. And they sat down, homesick, and tried to remember what home was like, Zion. So that culture, the society, the world around them, didn't just swallow them up whole. They sang the songs to remind each other what it was like, who they were, and why it mattered, who God was who God called them to be, their values, their discipleship, their love. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is teaching about this very kind of kingdom. And one of the common images is of the wedding feast, 
We also hear it in the parable of the the women who were trimming their lamps, the wedding at Cana, we remember that one, and at least two other wedding feasts. In this parable, the one that we were a little hesitant to say thanks be to God about because it got a little iffy there at the end. We hear about a king who is proud as punch of his son, ready to pull out all the stops, throw a big party. You ever plan an event down to the details? You got the best food. You cleaned up the house for people, thoughtfully planned every activity, and then found yourself with a smaller-than-anticipated crowd. Maybe it was just you who were there. You feel a little humiliated. Maybe you're uncomfortable. What have I done wrong turns very quickly into, why didn't they come? The king is surprisingly resilient and doesn't want to lose the food. Remember, there was a lot of that. Or perhaps face in front of his son. And the first round of invitations that had gone out to the A-listers now is turning over. And the servants go out and invite anyone and everyone. The message paraphrase says it this way. We have a wedding banquet prepared, but no guests. The ones I invited don't seem to be up to it. <laughs> go out to the busiest intersections. Invite anyone you can find. And the servants rounded up anyone they could lay their eyes on. The good the bad. Regardless, the banquet is on and we're going to fill up the place. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Inviting everyone, telling everyone the good, the bad, regardless about the transforming love of God. Even in a foreign land, when you'd rather be at home. What home are we talking about here? You know, it was Billy Graham who once said, heaven is my home, I'm just traveling through. Remember that? Watching conflicts and divisions, death and heartache, I sometimes want to echo the words of that wise evangelist. I want to hitch my wagon to the heavenly highway and just kind of put on my blinders, not pay any attention to the news. You ever want to do that? not pay any attention. Avoid the muck that the world is in. There are challenges of politics and polarization, family drama and institutional decline. Maybe I could hide in the cool of my faith for just a little while. For years, the architecture of churches were actually built in the shape of an ark. You ever see churches that are built like arks? And the concept was this, that the good Christian people of the world would come into the church to be safe from what was going on outside. There's no place like home, but this only works if you understand it to be a temporary reprieve or if you're coming to be equipped 
for what comes next. The challenge is that many people understood that you came in from the storm and demonized the very people they wanted to share the gospel with the next day. An ark is not a permanent structure, and God didn't call all of us to be Noah. God didn't call all of us to be Noah. There's no place like home. Jesus shares the parable of the wedding feast, throwing open the door to the good and the bad alike. Our home is not just then and there. Our home is here and now. Our home is here and not yet. The kingdom of God is among us. Jesus says this too. These are theological terms that we use. There's no place like home. Imagine the surprise of a young Dorothy Gale when she woke up. We saw it after the massive tornado and probably some head trauma. Remember, the window fell on her head to realize that her transformative experience was a dream. A dream of a journey towards God's kingdom. I'm speculating, you'll forgive me. Being called to usher in the kingdom of God means that we realize we are part of making the path while walking on it. Discipleship, friends, is a path. The lion, the scarecrow, and the tin man didn't begin the journey fully ready to go. They needed one another. And the realization that the courage the brain and the heart that they had wanted, that they had needed, was actually within them. That's what the wizard told them. And Dorothy begins the journey phased and bewildered by the location, and let alone the resources she needed. She encountered a man of straw who talked to her, telling her story and inviting her him on the adventure were risky, but so was the alternative. The whole movie, if you think about it, is full of risky propositions where the cost wasn't obvious. Whenever someone asks us, you and I, about trips that we take, the answer, and we talked about it just a minute ago, is often, it's really good to get away, but boy, was it good to come home, good to sleep in my bed, good to be where I know where I am. We're reminded that the kingdom of God breaks into places where we are and grows among us, like a mustard seed. We're invited to the feast, even if we weren't the first round draft picks. <laughs> the servants who invited the A-listers also invited the less-than-stellar bunch as well. God's grace models for us that there isn't secondary hope. There isn't secondary grace with God. We are welcomed home just like Dorothy. There's no place like home. Our home is with God here and now as well as then and there. The God who calls us to usher in the kingdom of Christ by sharing the good news with each of those we encounter. The ones that we would call good and the ones that we would call bad alike. Strengthening us for each interaction.
So may your journeys include the blessings of heart, of courage, of brains, and of returning to God. This, my friends, is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.